welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hello, world. Welcome back for another ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truths. Your co-host here, Jenny Scott, here with Dan, the man, Duran, the host with the most. How you doing, Dan? I am great, and I've got my running shoes laced on. Woo, I got my running shoes on too, but we need to talk about this whole running thing. So I'm super excited for our guest today. Who do we have with us today, Dan? We have Dr. Jason Karp, uh, a good friend of mine, a uh, big name in the industry. He's the founder and CEO of Revolution Running, as well as a uh, women's specialty running uh, company, coaching company called Kaniska Running. And I'm going to go ahead and read a little bio because it's so impressive just to kind of frame who we're talking to. And then we'll let Jason jump in and, and tell me if I missed anything or got something wrong. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Carp has given hundreds of international lectures and has been a featured speaker at the World's Top Fitness Conferences and Coaching Clinics around the world. By the way, that's where I met him at IDEA in one of his conferences. He's been an instructor for USA Track and Field Level 3 Coaching Certification and for Coaching Camps, the U.S. Olympic Training Center. Uh, he led the Georgia and Court University Women's Cross Country Team to the Regional Championship and winning honors at the NAIA Northeast Region Coach of the Year. I know I'm kind of getting nice. some of this wrong, but uh, there's a lot. A prolific writer. Here's a really cool thing about Jason. He's the author of 12 books. I think I own almost half of them or at least half of them. And he has more than 400 articles published in numerous magazines and has also served as a senior editor for Active Network and is the founder and principal agent at JK. Jason Carr, literary agency, which he's going to tell us more about. Now, I'm actually going to stop there because it just goes on and on. The guy's a legend. So uh, we'll let Jason tell us a little bit more about himself. Welcome, Jason. I swear I didn't pay Dan for that intro, but thank you. <laughs> I had to pay for all my books, too, so I've got nothing. <laughs> yeah, Jason, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, if you don't mind, and uh, kind of expand on what I did. To, to let our listeners know, you know, who they're, who they're hearing today. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess you could say the passion with me started when I was a kid. I got involved in sports from a young age. I played a lot of baseball when I was a kid and soccer and then started running track in sixth grade. And, and I think I inherited my love of sports from my mother. She was a great athlete herself. She did the roller derby. If you know what that is, that goes back a ways. But the, when she was in her late teens and early 20s, she did the roller derby and she played uh, semi-pro basketball and softball. And so I think I inherited my love of sports from her because I grew up in a really sports-oriented family. And, and it was really when I got into baseball and especially track that I just became fascinated with the science of athletic performance. It always interested me, you know, why can somebody run faster than another or, or long jump farther than another or throw a baseball as fast as you know, major league baseball players throw a fastball? And that stuff always interested me, you know, the, the physics, the biomechanics, the physiology of human movement, and, and then taking that to the extreme level is, you know, what can a human body do at its best? And so that placed me on a yellow brick road that I'm still following all these years later. I knew when I was a kid that I wanted to become an expert in this subject, and 
So I was very careful about what schools I attended. I wanted to study under the best so that I could become the best. And so, you know, that's what dictated where I went to schools. And, and uh, you know, I've been able to cultivate a whole career out of this passion that I developed as a kid. So I'm, I'm very lucky that I was able to do that. That's, that's awesome. It's definitely, I mean, how many folks could say they, they turned their passion into their career? I think there's, there's varying opinions on that, right? Some people say, uh, turn your passion into what you do for the rest of your life. Others say, find something that you're good at and something that can you know, make you a living or make you a career uh, and separate the two so that you're not too emotionally involved. I tend to swing the way you do, uh, for sure, for sure, Jason, and that you know, we need to love what we do and love showing up to work every day. I, I, I want to I have you add just a little bit more, but for the listeners, I, I mentioned that I met Jason at uh, IDEA at the uh, International Fitness Conference where he presented, by the way, he was uh, internet, the, the IDEA Personal Trainer of the Year in 2011 and uh, nominated for a whole lot of Personal Trainers of the Years and won lots of other awards, but I've got to just throw in that uh, the first time I met Jason, I thought he was going to take all of his clothes off in the class. Uh, I I'm not going to give away your whole intro, Jason, but let's just say it was an attention getter as it should be. That's funny. I remember that. Yeah. It was like half lecture and half activity. And yeah, I remember I was giving the lecture wearing the suit. And then as I'm talking, I'm peeling off the clothes because then we did the active portion of the the session. So yeah, that was great. I would love to do that again someday. That was fun. I had a pulled hamstring and was still determined to go and run with all the fast people. That was a good time. So fast forward. What are you doing now? Well, I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing a few different things now. I mean, you mentioned the, the JK Litter Agency. So because I've been writing books for so many years, I've decided, you know, I've been working with my own agents ever since I started writing books in 2008. And so I thought, you know, with all the contacts that I have now in the publishing industry, you know, why not help other authors who want to get published? And so I started my own literary agency where uh, I would serve as the agent for people who want to get published and connect them to publishers. So, so that's been very fulfilling. Recently just got a contract for a physical therapist who's writing a book on back pain, managing back pain. And so that's really fulfilling to help other authors. And, and so myself, I have a, I recently had a book come out uh, over this past summer on a running periodization, going through all the different models of periodization and training theories. And then I have another book coming out next April on it's called Workout, the Revolutionary Method of Creating a Sound Body to Create a Sound Mind. So it's all about how, you know, understanding that we're physical animals first. You know, there's a lot of talk these days, especially with social media platforms, about working on ourselves on the inside. But uh, I think that's not only wrong, I think it's inaccurate that we need to remember and get back to who we are as animals. We're physical beings first. Life is physical. You know, other and the only thing that makes us different from other animals is that we can think about things in a different way. We can imagine a future that doesn't exist. We can strive to be better, whereas other animals don't have that ability to think about the future and about making themselves better. But in all other ways, we're very similar to other animals. And there's a lot of research to show that if you focus on the body and you train the body, that changes your brain chemistry and that changes your mind. And so the book is all about taking this outside in approach instead of the inside out approach. It's all about working from the outside in focus on making your physical body strong and resilient and enduring. And then that changes you on the inside. So yeah, that actually, I'm looking that. forward to that book because there's a little bit of a story behind it, but uh, that book is based on the Ted talk that I was supposed to give right at the start of the pandemic. So in March of 2020, 
I was going to give a TED talk on this. And so that's where the book idea came out of. It was going to be the TED talk. So hopefully next year I'll be able to give that TED talk because it's been postponed a couple of times due to the pandemic. But I'm excited about that because I think that's, you know, in the, uh, the theme of TED Talks, I think it's an idea worth spreading is to this idea of working from the outside in and remembering that we are physical animals first and, and the human experience is physical. Absolutely. Well, you said you love like sports performance and the way the body performs. I do too. I find it so interesting. So I'm super, I need to go out and get some of your books. Um, I will purchase them, get you the proceeds. Um, <laughs> but my curiosity is why do you focus so much on running? A lot of your work and a lot of the things that you're working on now are about running. And I'm one of those people, I'm sure there's other people out there listening. I don't run even when being chased. And I know it's, it's good for you. I know it's a repetitive sport, but like, I know there's a lot of benefits for running, but I'm like, I'm not scared of it. I wouldn't say, but I'm kind of scared of it. <laughs> so why running? Yeah, that's a good question. I think uh, for a number of reasons. One is that running is very primal. I mean, it is who we going back to the whole animal thing. I mean, it's who we are yeah. as animals. We all run. You know, we start this life you know, by crawling and then we walk and then we run and nobody ever has to teach us how to do it. No one ever tells us to do it. We automatically make that progression from a crawl to a walk to a run. And that's because that's who we are. It's embedded in, in who we are. It's in, in our DNA. And you know, all mammals run and, and that's who we are as, as animals. And, and so it's the most primal of all physical activities. And then it's also so pure, you know, unlike other sports where there are other things involved, like who wins a football game oftentimes has little to do with who's the fittest. There's so much more going on yeah. in a football game or a baseball game or a basketball game. And it's true for many sports. There's strategy involved. There's ball handling skills. There's a little bit of luck. You know, someone hit, you know, kicks a field goal with two minutes left in the football game, they, they win. But that, that had nothing to do with who was the most fit team. Yeah. It just happened to do with the clock and the timing and who hits a, you know, who kicks a field goal at the very end. But with running, it's all about fitness. It's all about who's the fastest. And that's all about physiology and biochemistry. And, and so that's what I love so much about it. It's just, it's the purest form of sport. It's, you know, there's no, there's no hiding behind you know, other things. It's just, you're raw, you're vulnerable. It's who can get to the finish line first. And, and that's as, as raw as it gets. And, and that's why, you know, one of my other, the businesses that I just launched is uh, Kaniska running. It's all about women's physiology and focusing on women and how to make women better runners, understanding their unique physiology. And, and so it all ties into that, that running is so pure and basic and it, it's all about the science. It's all about the physiology and the biomechanics and, and uh, in other sports have so much else going on that it, it sometimes can can cloud the, the purity of it. And, and running is as bare and as pure as it gets. Absolutely. So now that you're focusing on female runners with Kaniska, tell me about like, what are some of the differences between like a male runner and a female runner? I know some of the physiological differences and like the physical differences, but what else have you found? Oh yeah, the major difference is the menstrual cycle. And then you, when you look at the menstrual cycle and how it affects the, the, the hormone concentration of estrogen and progesterone, and both those hormones have huge ramifications for physiology and for performance. Turns out that estrogen is a runner-friendly drug. I mean, times of the month when estrogen is high is a great time for women to push the endurance work. And times of the month when progesterone is high is more of a time to back off from that because progesterone hurts endurance performance, whereas estrogen helps endurance performance. And, and so it's really fascinating. And what do you do when women lose the menstrual cycle? Because that happens a lot. 
you know, women sure, who sure. train a lot and who don't consume enough calories to offset the calories they expend when they run and they run into menstrual cycle problems. And if body fat percentage gets too low, they may lose their cycle completely. And so those, all those conditions have implications for how a woman should train and, and to design the training plan around that monthly fluctuation of estrogen and progesterone. Most women don't train that way. And, and the, so that, that represents a huge area of improvement for women is if they can time their training cycle around their menstrual cycle, that opens up a whole new door of opportunities, both for training and for racing for women. That's awesome. So do you, how do you, sorry, Dan, I'm like, I have all these questions now. <laughs> I'm like, so is this like a platform that you deliver this on? Is it a group? Like, can somebody yeah. join this? How are you running it? Yeah. So I, I brought on a few coaches. So my goal with this is to ultimately create a, a model for how female runners should train and create an international platform out of this. So we have several coaches and one nutrition coach that I brought on because nutrition is such a, a big, important part of women's running, much more so than men's Absolutely. running, because you know that, again, ties into the percentage of body fat and the menstrual cycle and, and consuming enough calories. So we have right now we have six co female coaches and then one nutrition coach. And over time, I'm going to grow it so that we have 20, 30, 40 coaches around the world and eventually create an international platform out of this as, to become the model for how female runners should train. I, 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 I want to kind of jump into the fitness world for a minute, Jason. Um, yes. I was, I was Jenny in 2010 and said, I only run if I'm being chased. And uh, when I started private personal training in 2010, if one of my clients said, well, I also want to train for a 5K and they wanted to build some muscle, lose some fat, my answer was, no, 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 you can't run. You got to pick one or the other. Uh, very, very wrong. And uh, everything I learned, I learned from you and incorporated into my practice and, of course, into my own stuff. Uh, and But that's not to say everything Jason knows I learned. That's everything I know I learned from Jason. So let's qualify those two for sure. Um, but but here for the trainer that says, no, you can't run, you pick one. Do you want to build some muscle or do you want to run? How do personal trainers incorporate running into their programming, in with their clients, if, you know, granted they, they want to do it, but what are some strategies and some benefits to that? Yeah, I mean, and again, that comes down to the client's goals because, you know, if you look at the difference between sprinters and distance runners, there's obviously a huge difference in the amount of muscle mass they have, because for to be a good distance runner, you want to weigh as little as possible without it being unhealthy. And so you don't want a lot of muscle mass as a, a long distance runner, because it costs a lot more oxygen to transport the extra weight. Where mm -hmm. sprinters is all about power production and, and force applying to the ground. And, and so that's why sprinters tend to be much more muscular than distance runners. So it all depends on what the client's goals are. It is difficult to build muscle mass and to improve one's long aerobic endurance at the same time, because there is a little bit of incompatibility there, but that's okay. I mean, most people who work with personal trainers, unless they're specifically training for a marathon or something like yeah. that, you know, they're not going to be doing such long endurance that it's going to affect the amount of muscle on their body. And, and so the, the short answer to your question is I always tell people, well, the, even though from a cosmetic standpoint, you know, people focus on their, their outside muscles because that's what looks good when you look in the mirror, but the most important muscle is your heart. 
And so yeah. the cardiovascular exercise running probably being, you know, close to the top, if not at the top of, of the effectiveness of cardiovascular exercise, the only thing that can supersede running in terms of its cardiovascular benefit is cross-country skiing. But how many people have access to cross-country skiing? Running is all over. You know, running is ubiquitous all over the world. Anybody we don't have world, that here right? in Arizona. Right, exactly. In anyway. <laughs> Everybody around the world can step outside their, their front door and, and run. And so running is the most effective way to improve the strength of your heart. And that for longevity, for health, for fitness, that's the most important part. Even though we get caught up in our society about what our external muscles look like, the heart is what's most important. And so that's how personal trainers can use that with their clients is to integrate the running because that's going to make them fit on the inside. That's going to make their heart stronger. And that's going to make everything that they do easier because when you're more cardiovascularly fit, everything else you do becomes easier. Yeah, but I hope you guys all heard that. He said, don't make people do endurance running, right? Most people don't need that. Right. But Jason, how would they incorporate it? Would it be like something like interval? Would you use fartlek training? Do they yeah. do something else with it? How do you incorporate again, it? it? Yeah, again, it depends on what the client's goals are. But, sure. but uh, you know, there's many different forms of running that you can do. You can do these just a long, slow endurance training, which has great benefit. It helps to, to burn more fat. It helps create more mitochondria, which are the aerobic factories, which can ultimately burn more fat in the rest of the day. And, but then there's also interval training where it is you know, more high intensity and it can, even interval training can be done numerous ways to get different benefits. You can do aerobic style interval training where you're trying to improve VO2 max, the maximum volume of oxygen the muscles can mm -hmm. consume per minute. You can do speed kind of interval training where it's more anaerobic, short bursts for you know just a very short period of time where it's very high intensity. And so that's more of an anaerobic benefit. So even interval training can be done different ways to get different benefits out of it. But all of those ways, a personal trainer can integrate into the client's program to get you know, different adaptations and different benefits, depending on, again, what, you know, what the phase of training is or what the client is trying to train for. Like if a client really only cares about you know, the anaerobic side and, and getting bigger and getting stronger, then they can integrate the anaerobic style interval training Whereas if somebody wants more overall general health and fitness, they can do more of the aerobic style interval training where they focus on oxygen consumption and, and oxygen delivery to the muscles and, and then the muscles being able to use more oxygen. And so it, the, the way it's designed, you could get different benefits out of it. But again, that's one benefit of, of running compared to other activities is that there's many ways to do running that gives you many different benefits out of it. Yeah, I think that's a great distinction you just made. The fact that if you're somebody like me, I love lifting, right? I love doing, I'm a bodybuilder. And so I love lifting, but there's ways that I can still challenge the most important muscle, your heart, by doing different intervals with resistance training modalities. So there's right. still a way to challenge your heart. And then of course, there's a way to incorporate interval running. Cause that's one of my favorite ways to, when I have to do cardio, when I'm prepping for a bodybuilding competition or something, Jason, I love intervals. Don't get me started. I'll do 30 seconds on 30 seconds off at 10 miles an hour all day. Right. Mm -hmm. But ask me to do it for 10, 15 miles. And I like, yeah. I, yeah. I and you don't I have to, it. I mean, most people, <laughs> unless they're training for a specific endurance race, they don't need to go run 10 miles. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's more for performance benefits than it is for health and fitness benefits. For sure. most, most people, if they're just training for health and fitness, don't need more than about 30, 40, 45 minutes per day, you know, at least on most days of the week. But when you get into something longer than 30 to 45 minutes per day, well, then it's more about training for performance rather than training for health and fitness. 
We've got another rapid review for you, this time on the ISSA Nutritionist course, and it's coming from Fabrizio based out of the Netherlands. That's right, out of the Netherlands. What does he say? It is absolutely worth it for anyone who is interested in nutrition linked to athletic performance. Up-to-date information, lots of scientific references, study guides, and very useful to set you off for the final exam. Highly recommended exclamation point. Thank you, Fabrizio. Absolutely. So I have a question though. So one of my favorite memes out there, it's uh, it's actually just words, but it's like somebody starts running and their heart says, excuse me, are we being chased? <laughs> and their brain and lung says, we also have questions. <laughs> 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 but question for you real quick. So how should a personal trainer help somebody with running equipment? Okay. So we'll talk about like running outdoors or in different climates in a second here, but like if somebody wants to run and you notice that they don't have the right shoes or shoes that maybe would benefit them based on what you notice with their foot stride, their posture, um, things like that. I talk to people about their training shoes all the time, right? What's going to give them the best platform. What would you tell them? Well, that's one of the other things about running is that it's pretty simple. Yeah. I mean, there are people around the world who don't even run with shoes at all. True. So the only equipment a runner needs is shoes. And, and even that, it's a pretty easy uh, fix. You know, somebody has the wrong shoes. There's three different categories of running shoes, the neutral or sometimes called cushioning, and then the, the stability shoes. And then the extreme is motion control. If somebody overly pronates or other biomechanical abnormalities, they may need a shoe that controls the motion of their foot. But over 90% of runners, all they need is a neutral cushioning shoe. And so it's not hard to, to find out what's the best shoe for somebody to watch them run and, and to look at wear patterns on the shoes that they currently have, look at the sole shoe, look at the wear pattern, yeah. look at how much the shoe is caving inward if they pronate a lot. And plus a shoe should feel comfortable even when you first put it on out of the box. And so if a shoe is not comfortable right away, then you know it's the wrong shoe for you. So there's many ways to figure out what's the right kind of running shoe. But in terms of overall you know, the equipment that a runner needs. I mean, that's really about it. I mean, nowadays, a lot of people wear GPSs and they get a little fancy, but mm -hmm. you don't need any of that to run successfully. All you need is a, a good pair of running shoes. But what if it's cold or snowy out? How do you run like that? Well, you just wear layers. So just don't wear cotton <laughs> back in the day. Clothes on. You sound like my mom. Yeah, when, I was, when I was growing up as a teenager, we used to wear cotton in the way. I grew up in New Jersey and, and you know, we were wearing cotton. Nowadays, you get all these... Uh, you know, polyester fabrics and dry fit fabrics. And so, yeah, I mean, there's different kinds of shirts that you can wear and windbreakers that you can wear when it's cold outside and spandex, you know, instead of wearing shorts. But even that stuff is, you know, basic. I mean, a lot of women in the fitness yeah. industry, they wear that stuff all the time anyway. Yeah, you <laughs> Guilty. see women wearing you know, yoga pants and stuff all the time, even when they're, you know, just hanging out. And, <laughs> so, you know, this athleisure wear, it's becoming a very popular thing that now, now everybody wears fitness, you know, fit clothes the rest of their day too. Good thing you guys can't see me because I'm totally wearing the outfit that I worked out in this morning. <laughs> you're, already, you're, you're ready already to go. The you're, you're, I, know, I think I it's time for you running shoes on. I got my Adidas Ultra Boosts on. I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, uh, I'll try. I'll try. I did my intervals this morning. Actually, I walked. I didn't run. I was running in my head. I looked really cool doing it. I, but I was walking on an incline this morning. <laughs> But Jason, question though, if it's colder out or cooler, I don't know if there's a certain temperature threshold, but if it's colder out, does that affect your lungs and the way you breathe? 
No. So yes, that's one of the big myths about running. So when you breathe, yeah. especially when you breathe through your nose, the air is warmed as it comes inside of you. So True. you can't freeze your lungs. And the lungs also don't ever quote hurt. You know, the lungs are pretty much passive structures. They're just so there true. for the, the oxygen and carbon dioxide gas exchange in the lungs, but the lungs can't freeze. They can't hurt. And so, uh, so yeah, when people tell you their lungs hurt, they're lying to yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> so you can go out in the coldest of cold weather and your lungs will be perfectly fine because the air gets warmed as it comes into your nose and your mouth. And by the time it gets to your lungs, it's not the same temperature of air that it was when you, you know, breathed it, when you first breathed it in. Huh. Maybe your face is cold, right? <laughs> yeah. Skin, your skin gets very cold. So make sure you have stuff to cover your skin but the lungs won't get cold. Well, there goes excuse number 39. Right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of 101 Dalmatians. Remember the old animated one, the little roly dog, the little chubby one? He's like, my nose is froze and my toes are froze. Oh, <laughs> that's my excuse, darn it. You took that away from me, Jason. And, and that's it. It's out the window now. And let's, uh, and let's switch gears for, for just a minute here. And uh, Jason, maybe talk to us a little bit about your writing career, including your literary agency. You've written 12 books, over 400 articles. Uh, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but can you talk more about uh, you know, how that developed and where you are now? And maybe some advice for anybody out there that's thinking about doing something similar, including using you as a literary agency. Yeah, I mean, that started with, uh, I had an English minor when I was in college, and uh, I knew also from a young age that I liked writing, and I knew I was quite good at it, and and so I started writing for magazines, I started with trade magazines, I first started with uh, track and field coaching journals, and then moved to a fitness industry, like personal trainer, trade magazines, and then from there, I started, you know, as I started collecting, uh, it's called clips, you know, you get a lot of clips to your name, and and so once I started accumulating, you know, bylines and clips, then I started approaching the more national consumer magazines like Shape and Oxygen and Runner's World and Running Times, which has since folded. But uh, so that's how that grew. I started with trade magazines and then I went to national consumer magazines and then got into book writing from that. And, you know, like I had said, my first book was uh, on a completely different subject. I was working on my PhD and I had a lot of stress during that time. And, and uh, it was actually the suggestion of a, a next door neighbor who got the brunt of my complaining during the degree. She said, you know, <laughs> you should write a book and give advice to other graduate students. And I thought, you know, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> so uh, while I was waiting for my, my dissertation advisor to uh, read my dissertation proposal so that I could move forward with it, I was uh, sitting in Starbucks and, and started writing this book. And, and uh, I knew that I liked writing and I wanted to get into other books. And so I searched around for an agent that took a little while to do. And, but uh, I found an agent. I've been with her ever since. She's in New York and, and I've been with her 13 years. But, but it was a little difficult to find her because I knew that this one book sat in a different subject area, a different genre than all yeah. of the other books I was planning on writing because I knew that Everything else would be about running and fitness, but this one book was in a different subject area. So I was really lucky in who I found that uh, she had an interest in, in both areas and she had connections in the education space. So within a couple months of working with her, she was able to get me a contract for that, how to survive your PhD book. And then, uh, because, but she also has a great interest in health and fitness. And so it was a great match. And so I've been with her ever since. And so, yeah, I'm very happy that I've been able to get so many books published and, 
And so that led me to, to start my own literary agency where I could help other authors get published. So yeah, if anybody's listening, you know, has a, a book inside of them that they really, really want to write, you know, in the area of, of health and fitness and, and, you know, anything related to it, because that's where my connections are, because I've worked with several publishers at this point, you know, I've worked with like seven or eight different publishers. And so I've gotten to know a lot of the, the acquisitions editors and, and have relationships with them. And so, yeah, if anybody is listening who is interested in, in getting a book published, it's a, it's quite the process. It's an interesting process, but, you know, I can help you navigate that and, and represent you as your agent. And, and uh, for those who are worried about getting an agent, I'll say right off the bat that agents are free. You know, we work <laughs> on commissions. So like my agent, she only gets paid when she gets me a book contract. She gets a percentage of my advance and a percentage of all my royalties. And so that's the same way I work with the people I represented. Nice. You know, I do all the work up front for free. There's no cost to the author. And then, uh, you know, as the agent, I get a percentage of the, the book advance and the royalties. Very cool. Ooh, we might have to talk you and me because you know that's what I do for ISSA. I write their books. So. Oh, very good. Yeah, <laughs> A little definitely. experience with this. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Mine will not be on running, though. I can tell you that. Well, no, I, I don't want more competition. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He'll, he'll, he'll help you publish any book except one on running. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you have to write a book that I would not write myself. Oh, I love it. That's a conflict of interest right there. <laughs> that's just bad business. That's just bad business. Oh, I love it. Well, you know, we're, we're about time to, to, to wrap up here, Jason. So, uh, can, can you tell the listeners how they can learn more about you, how they can follow you, how they can contact you and so forth? Yeah, my website, drjasoncarp.com and uh, the new business, kaniskarunning.com, K-Y-N-I-S-K-A running.com. So that's for the, the women's coaching. And yeah, I hope people check it out because uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to growing that to something special. Yeah, definitely check out Kaniska Running, you guys, because the fact that it's tailored for a specific population for females and it's all about the physiology of the female body and how it relates to running and the proper periodization, which programming is huge. Programming is fitness. If you can't program, you cannot do this, right? Um, you have to know how to program. But it's this is the kind of information that I always coach to people that are starting off in the fitness industry or trying to grow themselves in the fitness industry. No longer how no matter how long you've been in it, you have to continue your education, right? If it's something you're interested in, you really like running, you really like working with female clients or yourself, and you want to train, um, you have to learn more. Do your due diligence, right? And so this is a great way to do it. We're giving you the resource. Go use it. And, and I'll add to that, uh, Jenny. Uh, spot on. Uh, be careful who you learn from. Absolutely. Uh, there's in the Instagram age and the Insta trainer or whatever you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> listen to the PhDs, listen to the people who've studied this uh, in great detail, done studies. Um, if you want to learn, make sure it's from the right sources. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Jason. I feel like <sighs> I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit changed from this. Oh, I will on. consider That's... some running. I'm going to have to do That's my about plan. it. Yeah. I, I used to coach running in group fitness classes where we did rowing, running in a weight room. So like, I know how to coach it and I know how to do it. It's just, uh, I got to do it. I know. Okay. It's hard when you first start because it is difficult, especially yeah. when you haven't done it for so many years. But, but uh, if you stick with it, then I mean, ask Dan who goes, you know, he'll spend you know days in a row swimming, biking and running. And I mean, when you, when you get that first level of fitness, when you get past the difficult point, 
you know, then you can go out and, and think about other things and be by yourself. And, and, uh, you know, this is a meditative aspect to it. 100%. Well, I have nine weeks, nine weeks until my next show. So I will commit to adding running in for the next nine weeks and we'll see. Oh, after very that. good. <laughs> and Dr. Good. Karp is, is racing this coming weekend. Yes. <laughs> good luck. My we wish you the best in 21 years. We nice. wish you the best. You're going to you crush it. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jason, for being here with us. I look forward to speaking with you again. I know I will be in touch with you, but thank you so much for joining us and sharing your knowledge with the world. Oh yeah. My pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Any last words for our listeners today, Dan? Uh, I'm going to reiterate what I just said. Make sure you learn from the best. And that's why we're here. There you go. And with that, we leave you guys. And as always, make good choices. We'll be talking at you soon. Oh, 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 oh,